Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. It's match day 21. Kind of. There were some match, some La Liga games, some Copa games. I'm joined by Sam Leverage. How are you getting on, Sam? I'm good, thanks, Rory. It's been a, an odd weekend, an odd week, as you say, but plenty to talk about. Yeah, we, we, so we're going to do part one. It's going to be mostly La Liga. We have a few touches on the Copa, and part two is going to do Copa del Rey with some bits of La Liga mixed in, such as some of the teams have managed to play twice across the space of the last five to six days. Just running through the results that we've had, this kind of match day has been spread out from Sunday to Thursday. That's across five days. Elche beat Villarreal on the Sunday afternoon, which was quite a big result for them. Lucas Boyer with the goal before Real Betis thrashed Alaves 4-0 in some style at the Benito Villamarín. Cadiz, the crew 2 all with Espanol, we'll come to that. We've got Sergio Vargas, also known as Cadiz Analytics, to talk about that soon. And Celta beat Osasuna fairly comfortably before Valencia and Sevilla drew one apiece. And then Hetafe beating Granada at the Coliseum Alfonso Pérez. Sam, you were there. What was it like? Enes Unal scores again. Borja Mayoral scores on his debut. How was it? It was weird, Rory. I mean, <laughs> this was my sixth Hetafe game this season. And in the first, well, seventh Hetafe game this season, the first six, they'd only scored two goals. And then, obviously, up against um, against Granada, they scored four. And Granada aren't the pushovers that they were early on in the season, but Hetafe have really picked up under Kike Sanchez Flores. They would be fifth in the league if the season started when he was appointed, and I think it really kind of speaks volumes to the way he's transformed the team completely. I mean, there's so many players who look completely different to the way that they did under Michel at the start of the season. I mean, like, yeah, Nemanja Maximovic, he was fantastic in midfield. Mauro Ambari as well. I mean, they're dominating games now, and in the first few weeks of the season, they were completely passing them by. Yeah, they've got quite the midfield there now. You've got Alenia, who who's obviously a decent player. Oscar Rodriguez, Gonzalo Villar who's also brought in on loan this week. Add that to Arambari and Maximovic, as you say. They've got quite the team developing here under Kike Sanchez-Flores. Do you think they could make sort of top half this season? Well, I think that's going to be their target, isn't it? I mean, I think they their results since Sanchez-Flores came in give them that kind of hope, and I think that's what they'd be aiming for now. I mean, these 
signings are definitely signings that are looking for a top half finish rather than a relegation battle. So I think they'll be looking to push on and, and kind of build for next season. I think that's what's so exciting in a way about these signings is that these aren't players who come for a relegation battle and you can't see why Angel Torres would really invest the money in those players because they do look like they're going to be okay with with relegation if they can keep up this kind of form. So maybe it's a bit of a gamble, but I would like to see them kind of push on and, and see just how far they can go. I think Europe and that kind of thing is way beyond them now just because of that terrible start they had with the consecutive eight defeats at the start of this campaign. But one eye on next season, maybe they're thinking about pushing back towards those European places again. It is mightily impressive that they're essentially doing what they're doing with a seven-game, eight-game handicap, as you say. Moving on to a game that probably wasn't amongst the headlines in terms of uh, the fixture list, but in terms of quality, I don't think we've seen many games better than the game played by Real Betis against Alaves on, on Tuesday night. 4-0, and what a phenomenal performance. Yeah, I really can't put into words how impressed I've been with Betis over the past few days. I mean, obviously, first up, the, the derby and the, the Copa, which the first part of that derby, which obviously didn't quite go according <laughs> to plan, was fantastic. They were all over Sevilla. The second half, not quite so much, but they were, again, the much better team against the Sevilla side, who were second in La Liga. I mean, they're no pushovers. Then up against Alaves. Alaves had come off the back of nine days of rest. Betis had had 48 hours, basically. And Betis completely blew them away. I mean, they were fantastic. I mean, Fekir, Canales, Juanmi were incredible. I mean, for me, they're one of the best attacking trios in La Liga. Not quite a front three or a trident as we've looked on MSN or BBC. But these three are fantastic. And I think they've got more attacking power in that line behind Borja Iglesias or William Jose than any other team in La Liga. And they're really showing what they can do to warrant this third place in La Liga. And I think they're going to be pushing... Sevilla rather than worrying too much about who's coming up behind them yeah and just the quality of the goals for it this game was was absolutely delicious Juanmi Juanmi with a chip Canales putting all the sauce on this on this goal and this game with a beautiful goal was there anything else that sort of you wanted to remark on from those La Liga fixtures yeah well, I think that with Betis I think they're such a team that are kind of up and down I mean we've seen them play excellently as they did against Alaves and then also kind of fade away a little bit. So I think we've seen that. The one that comes to mind is the Atletico Madrid game where you thought Betis would give them a real tough afternoon and Atleti won out 3-0 winners. And I think that's where Betis need to pick up now, kind of pick up on their form, improve a little bit. But but a really impressive display from them that will kind of help their credentials. I think we've seen that across the board. I mean, Celta Vigo, another win for them, obviously, against Osasuna. Nothing too spectacular there, but I mean competent and consistent and that's what Celta Vigo have been missing too so it's the kind of result that, that Chacho Gudet would be wanting to see Chacho Gudet obviously a firm admirer of Manuel Pellegrini well documented we do have the other side of that derby coming up in the second half of that show Alan Feely will, will tell us all about the infamous game at the Benito Villa Marine and just why it was so but first, we spoke to Sergio Vargas, who, who gave us the lowdown on Cadiz with their 2 0 draw against Espanyol and a new manager. Solo te digo tres letras: R, D, 
remate sí, sí. para adentro. La pelota. Si hay que tener en cuenta algo en este partido, si algo hay que aprender son los saques de banda. I am joined by Sergio Vargas, who is known as Cadiz CF Analytics on Twitter at Cadiz Analytics, and one of the best follows in Spanish football for my money, and basically about I want to say 70 to 80 percent of my knowledge on Cadiz. Um, Sergio, how are you doing? And uh, welcome to the podcast for the first time. Hi, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. So I want to, I mean, we've not spoken on the podcast about Alvaro Severa's departure since since he left Cadiz. And it was really quite something to see the scenes in the streets. They, they were packed out with Cadiz fans. So first of all, I just want you to talk a little bit about the legacy of Alvaro Cervera, what he meant to the club, and yeah, how this has gone down in in Cadiz. Yeah, um, it went down pretty bad, I think, for most of the fans. Um, yeah, I mean, he was almost six years in charge. He took us from the third division. Um, we played the first time the playoffs with him, and then we got promoted directly. And then it was uh, four seasons in Segunda, and then we, we got promoted. And then last year in La Liga, which we got 44 points, which was incredible, uh, given the, the squad quality that we had. Um, I'd say that it was a miracle, and we can we can see that this season. And yeah, he, he meant a lot, a, a lot to, the, to the fans, to the people of Cadiz. Um, I think he, he understood what the city is like, what the what the people of Cali, uh, what the people of Cali are, um, and he was more than a manager. Um, he he really understood the people and really got on well with 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 the city. Yeah, it was quite heartbreaking to see him go and the emotional sort of outpouring, not just from the Cali fans mm-hmm. but also from Cervera himself. Football never never stops moving. It moves very quickly. Sergio yeah. Gonzalez was installed later that afternoon. How yeah. has he kind of been received? Because it's uh, it's it's a new manager, but obviously off the back of that kind of uh, relationship with Cervera, yeah. What what's the thinking in Cardiff on him? It's a difficult one. I I don't think anyone has any problem with Sergio. Um, what we know, what he did with Valladolid was fine until last year, and they got relegated. So people have, haven't been thinking about him too much, um, not in a good way, not in a bad way. Um, people were mostly just, um, uh, you know, they, we couldn't really believe that Cervera was sacked. Most of the mm-hmm. fans couldn't believe it. We weren't expecting it. Uh, I'd say most people didn't want it. Um, so I think... For Sergio, it's going to depend how he performs. Um, if he performs good, people are going to be happy. At the end of the day, football is about results. Um, and, but he, if he performs bad, I don't think people are going to take it to um, give him third better uh, leaving. So, yeah, people are, are not too happy with the, with the president, uh, with, the, with some decisions apart from, from Cervera sacking. Um, so... It, it's all going to depend also on the signings that we make now on, in the transfer window. It looks like we're doing a bit more now, but that's what we actually need in, in the summer transfer window. And that's something that's something Cervera was 
was asking at the end of last season, he was asking for some La Liga quality and experienced players, and we never really got them. So, yeah, I think I think Sergio, if he does well, he, he's going to be well received, but we are still thinking about Cervera for sure. No, that, that makes sense. And the first half against Espanyol in their most recent game, it was quite a... It was quite a poor first half from Cadiz. They weren't great, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they did get a reaction in the second half. And right until the very end, they looked like they were going to win it. You were at the game. What were your thoughts yeah. on the on the match and uh, the heartbreak, as you said, at the end? Yeah, um, first half was horrible, um, but we've seen <laughs> some more of that this season. So we were a bit used to that. Um, yeah, but we, we, as you said, we got a reaction. Uh, the second half, I think I think Sergio mentioned in the the press conference after the game that they had a, a team talk for sure. Uh, he didn't mention any details. Uh, I think it was more about emotionally and tactically. Um, yeah, we got we got a we got a response. Um, I also saw that Espanol weren't defending too good, to be honest. At least that's what I felt at the stadium. We managed to create some good chances, especially from the flanks. And uh, we are not really good at creating chances as. Every, everyone probably knows. Um, yeah, but we, we played we play quite good at the second half. Um, we, we were surprised at this stadium, to be honest. Usually when we when we go when we go one goal down, we never really uh, get the result back. And then yeah, Alejo scored at the 19th minute, I think. And then I think we were kind of expecting it because it's happened before this this season. Um, uh, I think we are one of the teams that has lost more points in the last five or ten minutes. So yeah, as you said, heartbreaking for sure. But and probably the draw, probably the draw was was fair to be honest. And in a word, can Cadiz stay up? See or no? <laughs> I, I still believe. I still believe. Um, I still believe it's going to depend also, as I said, on the signings that we make because we really need some players. We really need some quality players that go straight into the 11th uh, starting team. Um, it's not too far away. It's not too far away. It's three, four points. So I think we can still get it. I'm optimistic. Refreshing optimism there from yourself. Sergio, yeah. thank you very much for, for taking the time to, to talk to us. And yeah, it was brilliant to have you on. And Hopefully, we'll be back on to discuss the Cardiff win fairly soon. Hopefully. Thank you very much. Muchas gracias to Sergio there, who has given us an excellent debut. I think it was even better than his namesake's debut on the Cardiff bench. Moving on, another side from Andalusia, who have been enduring a tough time lately. Well, in the past week, after their derby defeat to Betis, which was a fairly traumatic event in itself and then a draw against Valencia which could cost them in the title race we thought we'd dig in a little bit deeper on that and speak to Alan Feely who is at El Gran Derby. I'm joined by Alan Feely who is the editor of Football España formerly of this parish of course at Azul Feely on Twitter give that a follow I definitely do it's well worth it how are you doing Alan? Not too bad at all. How are you, Rory? Yeah, I'm well. I'm well. We were just uh, discussing the merits of of the Seville derby and some of the goings-on, of course, in one of the most fiery fixtures in Spain. You were there. 
you were at the game for all 41 minutes that you were allowed to be. How, what was it like being out in that atmosphere and, and sort of give me a, a sort of feel for what it was like in the stadium when it all sort of went pear-shaped? Well, the atmosphere was unbelievable, to be fair. I mean, the Bimeo Villa Marine is a really old school stadium. Um, it feels almost like a Latin American stadium in many ways. and It's all concrete and steel. Um, and the atmosphere inside the ground was just off the charts, to be honest with you. Um, I almost felt like a bit of a narc, kind of like I'd infiltrated um, the Beticos because I was the only one on the stand, who, as far as I could see, who didn't have a scarf to hold up during the uh, the hymn. You know, it was really was a febrile atmosphere. Um, the volume generated uh, by that crowd is something else. You really can sense there's 55,000 people in the stadium. Um, and the interplay between the Betacos and the Civistas was brilliant. They were just up to my right in the corner and they were really kind of going after each other in various space and pieces. And there's only 250 Civistas there, even though there was 8,000 applications for tickets um, from Civistas. So it was a highly in-demand fixture and a, a brilliant occasion. And the 39 minutes that I actually got to watch, I really, really enjoyed. Then, obviously, in the aftermath of Fekir's goal, um, you know, nobody knew what was happening because the reception in this Bimeo Marine, if you're in the stadium, is very, very poor. Um, so you couldn't really get texts or you couldn't check Twitter or something. So all we saw, basically, was that after the goal, um, in the aftermath of the goal, all the players went to the touchline. Um, pretty quickly, the Sevista players went into the tunnel, into the dressing room, and the Betis players stayed in the pitch. And it was just sheer confusion until eventually word filtered through amongst the people who were sitting around me that what had happened, it happened, that uh, Joan Jordan was hit by a missile. And then we were basically just standing there for 20 minutes or so in kind of disbelief, just waiting to see what would happen. Would the game restart or would it be suspended? And then eventually it was uh, suspended. And we all at the stadium and it was very deflating, to be honest, because like when you're in a game like that, it was half nine on a Saturday night in Seville. Uh, 55,000 people in the stadium the, as big a fixture as you can get a one-off cup tie it was a huge occasion you couldn't get a better occasion and everybody was really hyped up we had a few everyone had a few beers beforehand all that kind of thing so when you left the stadium you're just walking home to the centre of Seville it's just very very anticlimactic you know um, but uh, but yeah it was what it was and I guess it was maybe a unique experience that I'll never forget but I would have rather to be honest have seen the game to out to its conclusion uh, under lights in the Villa Marine. Definitely. It is certainly a bit of a sickener for all of the behaving fans inside the stadium. Moving on sort of more to Sevilla, um, who obviously drew 1-0 with Valencia last night. I think this was a result that a lot of people saw coming from my point of view. And certainly I think the the shortness of the squads, the, the way that Sevilla... I've been getting over the line in games, but not quite dominating them. In terms of sort of their general title chance, I feel a bit harsh criticising them at all for for drawing that game because they were down to something like 11, 12 first-team players. But yeah, in terms of their squads, in terms of the title challenge, where do you see Sevilla at the minute? Well, they're four points behind Madrid now. Same game as played. Uh, it's a big ask, to be honest with you. I mean, this Madrid team is a very, very well-functioning machine. Um, so it's very, very difficult because Sevilla don't have that strength and depth. They have a very good squad. They have two players for every position that are capable and functioning and that are at a high level. Um, but it is stretched, as you said. They were missing 11 first-team players for that game last night um, through uh, various reasons for COVID-19 absences, 
um for the African Cup of Nations and also for from injury, you know. I mean, I don't think any team's been hit as badly as Sevilla by the African Cup of Nations because you've two hugely important first teamers in Yassine Bounou and uh, Youssef and Naziri, you know, the the chief goalkeeper and the chief goal scorer who are gone. And and Naziri's been out know, with injury for quite a while anyway. And even, you know, having said that, Dimitrovic is also out at the moment, so they're either losing their third and fourth choice goalkeepers. So it's just not ideal at all, to be honest with you. And it's very, very hard because, I mean, the game last weekend for them was deflating, using the Betis, getting knocked out of the Copa del Rey. They use up a lot of emotional energy as well with all that happened and the, the spat afterwards. So it was always inevitable they're going to find it hard to go to uh, Valencia, go to Mestalla, go to a Jose Board last team and play them. It was always going to be very difficult. So I don't think we can be too surprised that it was a point last night. But having said that, you know, it's going to be tough because if that was Madrid, they would have won that game, you'd imagine. They beat Valencia 4-1 on January 8th. So the difference between Madrid and Sevilla, I think, towards this end of the season, um, towards now and the end of the season, is going to be that Madrid can win the difficult games in those situations every single week almost. Whereas I think Sevilla are going to find it more and more difficult as the season wears on, as you know the wear and tear continues, the COVID absences continue. Um, it's going to be very, very tough for them. I think they're, they're going to stick the pace for a while, I think, but I, I can't see them actually pipping Madrid to the title. It's going to be very difficult. No, that's fair enough. And just so quickly to end, one of their first teamers who, who is remaining, Diego Carlos, they, Newcastle are trying to pry him away. That's been the rumours at least. What would kind of take Diego Carlos to Newcastle? From his point of view, why why would he go there? Well, I guess he's 29 in March. He's a contract until 2024. So it's probably his last chance for a massive payday because you'd imagine that in 2024, or whenever he renews his contract to Sevilla, if he does, um, he'll earn a bigger salary. But I don't think he would have earned the ludicrous kind of money that he was going to earn with Newcastle with a five-year contract. I think they were going to triple his wages, they were saying. Um, and also, you know, I mean, obviously it's jarring to trade a team that's challenging for La Liga with a team that's fighting relegation in the Premier League. But it is the Premier League. It's not Saudi Arabia or Qatar. Do you know, he's not like, uh, I think it was Oscar who went to China when, when he was 26, wasn't it? The former Chelsea man. Um, it's not that kind of situation. He's going to you know, the best league, one of the best leagues in the world. Um, so I guess that's what he thought personally. But I think that for Sevilla, the fact that they're in the title challenge, it's it was essential to hold on to him. It really is essential to hold on to him because if they lost him, it'd be very hard to replace him. He's a key pillar of that team. He's one of the, I would say, the second best centre-back partnership in La Liga after Edu Militao and David Alaba is Jules Koundé and Diego Carlos. Certainly, I think most Sevistas will be reassured by that by that news and that sort of analysis. But thank you very much, Alan, for your time. And uh, yeah, we'll speak to you again soon. Always a pleasure to speak to Alan Feely and listen to him on any topic, but especially Sevilla. Many thanks to him. We're going to wrap up the first part of the show, the first half of the show, before we dive in deep into the Copa del Rey drama that we haven't touched on so far in the second half of the show. We will, of course, then come on to our MVP picks and our moments of the week. It wouldn't be a La Liga Lowdown podcast without a fantastic commentary clip to finish on. So stay tuned for that, and hasta pronto.
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to part two of the La Liga Lowdown podcast. It is match day 21 in La Liga, but it was also a fascinating round of 16 in the Copa del Rey. And there is only one place to start. What a game that was. Another partidazo between Athletic Club and Barcelona, finishing 3-2 to the Basques at home at San Mamés, a rocking San Mamés. Sam, what a game. What are your thoughts? I just wish that Athletic Barcelona in a cup competition could be a fixture every weekend, every midweek. It <laughs> and was the fantastic. funny thing is, I wish it really never happened in the Copa del Rey again. It seems <laughs> like we get them every year and it's always a nightmare for Barcelona. But sorry, yeah, continue. No, but it's not, it's not just a nightmare for Barcelona. But it's, they're always fantastic games, I think. There's such different teams in so many ways and the passion of the support at San Mamés as well I mean it's fantastic so the whole spectacle of it I mean that's what that's what cup football is all about really isn't it games like that one and you know the the game this time this week has been mad I mean the the late winner we thought from Inigo Martina then even later equaliser then an eventual winner in extra time I mean just drama non-stop yeah, you couldn't have uh, written a Netflix series to to happen like that with Alves' overhead kick to Pedri to, to equalise and then Munyain getting the winner again, sending the fans into raptures. It it really was a kind of storybook ending. And I think for... I, I don't even... I think Barcelona were poor and yeah, you can get into that, but I don't even really want to talk about that, not just because of uh, personal sort of grief <laughs> reasons, but... Um, don't pretend, Rory. <laughs> I think all of this should be about Athletic. I think all the analysis should be about them because I thought that they were almost flawless, especially defensively. Yeah, I think it was a bit of a statement performance from Athletic because I think against Real Madrid, 
in the Supercoppa, they didn't put up much of a fight. Maybe that's a bit harsh to say. But, I mean, this is a team who a week ago were beating Atletico, which, okay, Atletico aren't in their best point in history, and we'll touch on that later. But they beat Atletico, which isn't an easy task. Now they're beating Barcelona. I mean, sure, maybe they're not quite at the Real Madrid level yet, but, I mean, this was a superb performance. What I always love about watching Athletic is just that there's so much quality in so many different areas of the pitch and such different players. I mean, at the back, you've got Inigo Martinez, who's a complete rock. Then you go to the midfield where you've got Iker Magnain, who kind of orchestrates everything. Then you could look at the front line. I mean, the Williams brothers are both fantastic in their own different ways and bring something very different to the game. So I think they're huge. I mean, I think Athletic really have huge potential. They need to be a bit more consistent. They need to play like this more often. But when they do turn up, they can be really good. Yeah, and, and credit to Marcelino for getting them pressing in that kind of way. I also want... Um... A small sort of shout out to Yuri, who was back, made his first start in about nine months, I think it was, and and he was excellent as well. And I think he's been a big part of what Athletic have been missing, and and he should help with that kind of consistency. Speaking of consistency, one team that not so consistent, Atleti, who went down two nil to Real Sociedad in San Sebastian. It was a bit of a party for La Real, I thought. Start with Atleti, Sam. It's another performance. It's it's another sort of pretty disastrous defensive performance. Where do Atleti go from here? We have to start off by disagreeing with you, Rory, because you said that <laughs> Atleti are inconsistent. I think they've been very consistent over the last couple of months in being really, really bad. Unfortunately, <laughs> I mean, they're just. There's so many things wrong with Atletico at the moment. I mean, the defence is just a complete shambles. I mean, Josema Jimenez and Stefan Savic have always been injury-prone. So to then go into the season with only four defenders, when your other defenders are Mario Hermoso, who has always had question marks, and when he's not in form or not confident, he's even worse. And Felipe and Felipe, I'd... There are things that I want to say about Felipe that I can't say on this podcast. I feel bad for him because it's a bit like <laughs> kind of watching someone. It's like, I don't know how to express it. It's a bit like watching a pet die. Like Maybe that's a bit extreme, <laughs> but you see this guy who not that long ago was great and now you're just like, no, Felipe, it's time to call it a day. Like You're not Aleti level anymore. But unfortunately, the Eosimene doesn't have any other choices and I think that's kind of the the root cause of a lot of what's wrong with Atleti at the moment is that they're so poor defensively that it destabilises the midfield and then you have the attackers dropping back to try and help out and and it's just chaos. But Diego Simeone is struggling and I think he's struggling because this squad is very different. He's got a lot more personalities and egos to manage and he's not used to that. So I think there's a weak defence and a squad full of egos are two things that Diego Simeone has not faced up to at any point in his 10 years in charge. And to face both of them at once, it's no surprise that Atletico are struggling. And you say this has been going on a couple of months. Obviously, perhaps maybe they sort of get defenders fit again, but when is Simeone going to fix this or can he fix this before the end of the season? I think he can fix it to an extent, but I think this season now is a write-off. I mean, out of the Copa del Rey, which was the big trophy hope, so to speak. 
And so I think it's just a matter of qualifying for top four and then rebuilding for next season, which is frustrating for Atletico because that's exactly where we were this time two years ago. I mean, when we went into the, the whole COVID situation, Atletico was struggling for the top four. And the talk was, right, let's just make top four. They just about made it with that good form after lockdown. And and then it was, OK, now we can build for next season. Look how that went. But to come back from winning La Liga and to then be in that same position, I feel like we're going back two years is so frustrating for Atletico fans. But I do think Diego Sierra can do it. I think that he needs to reset the squad. I think the transfer business has not been ideal. I think that needs to revisit this summer. And hopefully there's the the funds to be able to do that and, and balance things out. But in Diego Simeone, we trust. That's a, that's a very fair point to end on because uh, he is probably going to be the man charged with rebuilding this side again in the summer. Lariel, I, I do want to touch on them because they were they were pretty good. They were, I thought they were excellent, actually. Miguel Marino was pulling the strings. Adnan Yanazai getting up for a header, which is not something you see every day but yeah what did you think of Lareal on the flip side of that Atleti performance yeah I think that's one point to say on Atleti I don't think Atleti were actually the worst they've been against Real Sociedad but Real Sociedad were the best team Atleti have played in quite some time I mean they just completely dominated the midfield and that was with Atleti playing a midfield which had Coque it had Rodrigo de Paul it had Hector Herrera I mean three decent central midfielders and Real Sociedad walked all over them. I mean, Miguel Marina was fantastic. Yanazo, like you said, was down the flank the whole game. I mean, he got that header, but before that he had a chance which went off the post. And I think Real Sociedad were, were looking very solid. I think it's this team that Imanel Aguacil has, has built out, and they are very much a team unit, and they're so organised, and they just seem to understand each other and know which runs to expect so much better than than so many other La Liga teams and it's great to see because they're just a team with so much energy and and they do produce the unexpected like Yanazai winning a header at the back post that's not something that anyone would have seen coming but <laughs> it happened yeah and there was another sort of horse Imanol Alguacil roar at the end of that game to to mark the victory just a, a good stat that um former host of the show Ewan McTeer pointed out at Atleti haven't knocked out a La Liga side in the Copa del Rey since they were at the Vicente Calderón, which is pretty damning and something to be rectified. Moving on to their somewhat louder neighbours, Real Madrid. Beat Elche 2-1 after extra time. Eden Hazard got the winning goal for them. They left Benzema out the squad and, and struggled for large parts of this match. Real Madrid, again, they do flatter to deceive when one of Vinicius or Benzema is out. Yeah, spot on. I think that when one of them is there, I mean, they're just the perfect connection in so many ways that Vinicius can make these runs out wide. He can cut back in and then Benzema is there for him to set up. And when Benzema isn't there, he's got Luka Jovic, who isn't in the same positions and it doesn't quite connect. So you've got Vinicius making the runs, but there's no end product to those runs. And vice versa. I mean, when Benzema doesn't have Vinicius, he doesn't get the supply he needs. So it will be a worry for Ancelotti, but I think this result hopefully can help kick the confidence up of some of those kind of squad players. I mean, Dani Ceballos in that um, goal was fantastic for Real Madrid. I mean, brought the ball out from pretty much the halfway line. I mean, obviously the own goal was slightly his fault as well, but redeemed himself there. That would be a big boost for him. Then Eden Hazard for him to get on the score sheet. I mean, 
that would be a big boost for him and and that's really what Real Madrid need. I mean, I think this is why Real Madrid will win La Liga is because they can rotate and still pick up points. We saw Sevilla, we speak, spoke about them earlier with Alan, make some changes, some enforced by AFCON, some by injuries, and they're dropping points. Now they lost to Betis, they lost to, well, they drew with Valencia, sorry. Real Madrid are able to make these changes, much more changes, and still get the win over Elche, even if it is in extra time. That's a good point. Um, I, I want to give some some shout-outs, some, some top marks to Francisco, who I think does have Elche playing pretty well at the minute and and perhaps has reinvigorated them to a degree that I maybe didn't foresee under um, or sort of when he came in and replaced Fran Escriba. I also want to say that Alaba was very, very good in this match. He he has been an excellent signing. It, mu- it must really be highlighted how good he's been lately. And Real Madrid, okay, yeah, fair enough. I, I was, again, it was sort of a... It wasn't the most exciting performance from them, and I don't think it's something that the fans will have tuned in, watched, and left happy with. But to come from a goal down and a man down to, to get through to Copa del Rey tie, there is something to be said for that, and there is a grit within that. So credit to them. If you've not got anything else to say on the Copa del Rey, we can move on to MVP. Is that all right, Sam? Yeah, I did just want to highlight one more thing, which was actually the the Oof. red card for Elche very late on in that one, which I think is possibly one of the best reasons for a red card that I have seen, <laughs> which was Pele Mila sent off right at the death of, of that game against Real Madrid. And he was already on a yellow card and the referee's report says that he was shouting at the referee and the referee told him to stop shouting at him and he replied, I'll shout at you whenever I feel like it, which was what got him a second yellow card. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you, you do hear stories of players getting red cards for certain things and you're like, as much as much as you don't want to get sent off, you can sympathise with their cause. Yeah. Um, in the heat of the moment... Coming on to MVP, four selections, two of yours, two of mine. Who are you going for first? First, I think it has to be the magician, Sergio Canales. I think he was fantastic. Um, Betis, as we said, were incredible. And Canales is so central to everything that they're doing lately. He just keeps everything ticking over in that kind of wide position that drifts in central. And I just think you take Canales out of that team and Betis aren't half as good, so... For me, I mean, against Alaves, brilliantly taken goal, passing fantastic all the way through. I think he he has to be in the selection. And it's a hard argument to make against Canales as a selection. I should just say we are keeping this to the La Liga matches just to keep everything a bit tidier. We don't, we don't want to s- yeah. stray into other competitions. Mika Marina, um, Ika Manayina cursing us right now, but... Yeah, Iker Munyain definitely would have been in this. But I'm going to go for Álvaro Negredo um, as part of my sort of MVP selections. I thought he was, I mean, as, as we sort of mentioned earlier with Sergio, Gary weren't great in the first half, but Álvaro Negredo really turned up in the second half. And I think that's a lot of what Gary have been missing. I know he hasn't been excellent in the minutes he's played this season under Cervera. But I think just by having him on, you get sort of a difference in quality in the fact that he can produce moments and he can be capable of finishing off those chances or creating them. I think was he scored three times in yeah, this match. Yeah, he got a hat trick, didn't he? <laughs> but but had, had it ruled out twice. And uh, he, he was a big part of the reason that Cadiz were able to react 
and if they can find Nina Grado of last season, that will go a long way to, to helping their their survival cause. On to your next pick, Sam. Yeah, so touched on it earlier. I'm going to go for Nemanja Maximovic at Hetafe. I think it's one of those players that perfectly sums up the transformation of Hetafe under Kike Sanchez Flores. And, I mean, against Granada, I mean, he's not a player who's usually involved in the goals, but he got a goal and an assist and was just everywhere. I mean, he was breaking up Granada attacks and then he was setting up the pass and then he was having a go himself. And I think Maximovic is a brilliant player, underrated, I think. I mean, you look at Hetafe, you think of the midfield, maybe you think of Melran Alambari before him, but he's just one of those players who will always give you a 7 out of 10. And I think he's been one of those players who's turned that 7 out of 10 to an 8 or 9 out of 10 the last few weeks. And against Granada, for, for me, he was a 10 out of 10. Exactly. He, he's the sort of sort of squad member that perhaps, yeah, doesn't get the headlines, but if you ask the fans of the team or the people that watch them very regularly, they will tell you that he's very good. Um, I'm going to move on to my second pick, and I'm going to go for another pick from the same game from the same team as Sergio Canales, and that is Borja El Panda Iglesias, who was fantastic. That, that first header, his first goal, I don't think you can score better header he sort of flicks it but gets a lot of power on it goes right into the sort of top corner from the opposite side that he flicks it and and yeah he was excellent in a Betty's performance that was phenomenal I think I could have gone for any one of sort of Fekir and Wanmi to to replace Borja Iglesias but he did get the two goals and and he was a constant sort of thorn in the side of the Alaves defense which we really struggled to to hold on to them so Borja Iglesias is, is my final pick. I went with Negredo earlier, Nemanja Maximovic and Sergio Canales. Go on to the Twitter at La Liga Lowdown and vote for your choice. We're coming to the end of the show, which of course means we, we want to get on to our momentatos. I'll, I'll go first because then I know you'll finish out the show with a fantastic one. But I'm going to go with something that didn't even result in a goal. It's Nabil Fekir's shot off the bar. <laughs> <laughs> which is one of the most phenomenal efforts on goal I've ever seen. So just to set the scene, the ball gets played right from the back. I think it was either sort of right back, centre half, maybe maybe it was central midfield, but it comes arcing over the top of the defence to sort of the... So for Alaves, it would have been the right back zone. It comes arcing over to Fekir, who nonchalantly just sort of... He, he sort of waits for the ball and fires this like rasping volley off the bar with in the most casual way possible and it really sort of summed up I mean he was offside in the end but it really summed up the sort of swagger that Betis were playing with and the the sort of dream football that they were aiming for against Alaves on Tuesday night so that was my moment of the week because I was sort of jaw dropped and, and totally totally into that I got lost in it a little bit <laughs> But your moment of the week, Sam, to finish out on? I'm going to choose between two because I feel like they both deserve a mention. One of them was, was at the Coliseum Alfonso Perez for the Hetafe game. And there was a moment in the second half just after the fourth goal when the guys next to me just stood up and started shouting, Eso es fútbol champán. This is champagne football, which is not <laughs> words that I ever expected to hear when watching Hetafe. So credit to them. But my moment of the week, I think you're going to like this one, Rory. Maybe it's a strange pick, but for me, it's Pedri's goal for Barcelona against Athletic Club. Obviously, didn't work out for Barcelona in the end, but just that moment, I mean, the fantastic 
accidental or was it deliberate Danny Alves assist which was just if he did mean it he's even more of a genius than I already thought he was and that combination I mean Danny Alves to Pedri like whoever expected those two to to be on the score sheet together (laughs) with the assist and goal combination but even beyond that just kind of the chaos the madness the the entertainment that that goal gave us coming right at the death after an already brilliant game, after an already brilliant midweek round, after the Copa del Rey action at the weekend. I think it was kind of the the peak and, and the best way to summarise everything that's gone on over the last few days in just one moment. And also, of course, Pedri back after three and a half months out and to get on the score street is a, is a big deal for him. Yeah, it, it does just kind of make you smile. It has been an absolutely sensational week of Spanish football once again i think we will wrap it up there thank you very much for your time sam thanks for it and i'll just direct you casually sort of softly in the direction of our website where we've done a stadium guide to the bernabeu um, jorge lopez torrecilla has done that for you and will give you the insight on all you need to know if you're going to go and visit the estadio san diego bernabeu but yes with that we shall leave we shall play out on that Pedri moment, a great moment it was until the until the <laughs> death-defying exit from the cup came for Barcelona, from my point of view. But for the rest of you, enjoy this commentary as we play out on another fantastic week. Pedri, 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 Chilena de Alves, una medio chilena de Alves para el balón muerto y en palma de volea con la zurda. Pedri, el canario, viva el fútbol, viva Pedri, empate a dos, Atlético Club de Bilbao, dos, Barça dos, el señor Pedro. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 